let's keep on going with our uh, Christmas series that we started last week that we're calling Wise Men Bring Gifts. And what the, the kind of uh, um, subtitle uh, of the uh, series is this question of what do you, what do you, what do you give the king who has everything? Uh, and obviously, uh, when we're talking about what does God actually need from you, the answer is nothing. He's God. However, there are some things that he wants from us. There are some things that he asks of us. And I want to spend the next uh, uh, sermon or two kind of thinking about those things and, and focusing on those things. And so the, the first one I want to focus on is, is this idea of, of, of actually following him. Now, that word follow is taking on a lot of different uh, meanings in recent years. When we think of follow, uh, maybe you think of Twitter, maybe you think of Facebook and following people on that, following different celebrities so you can kind of keep in touch with their tweets. And, and nowadays, that's even how... Um, you know, political figures communicate to us and things like that. I can't believe we live in a time where we have to, you have to be in, on Twitter to keep up with politics. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the, the whole idea of followership is this, this, this thing that I think has kind of lost its, its luster, lost its meaning in recent years. It's kind of got watered down with the whole social media thing. Uh, but like I, like there are certain things that I am a fan of. I'm a fan of um, I'm a fan of sports. I'm a fan of, uh, certain TV shows that I really like. Like I'm a fan of, um, news. I like watching the news. I'm a fan of, uh, certain authors, certain musicians, certain bands that I, that I, you know, I'm a big fan of. Um, and, and so, so when it comes to say, um, you know, certain, there are certain TV shows that, that, yeah, I, I kind of enjoy there's, there's one TV show in particular that I, I'm not just a fan of, I'm a follower of. Like, I'm a serious, and it's, it's Star Trek. I'm a big Star Trek guy. You guys have heard me talk about this before, but I'm a huge Star Trek guy. There are times I spend as much time in a week following Star Trek as I spend following Jesus. Like, like it is, I'm that big of a nerd about Star Trek. And, and like, I'm just, I love those old Star Trek shows. I love the, the newer Star Trek shows. I, I can, I can just, I mean, it's, I fill up my busy time. If I got typing to do or whatever, a lot of times there's Star Trek played in the background. You know, it's, I just, it's just constantly kind of rolling around. And I go through seasons where that's the case and seasons where uh, maybe not, not so much. But I, like, I, there's not a whole lot about Star Trek that I don't know. There's not a whole lot about, uh, you know, the actors in Star Trek that I don't know. Like, I have, I've read their autobiographies. I have, done, I mean, I am a huge nerd. Uh, for Jamie and I's first anniversary, we, we went to a Star Trek convention. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was awesome. And I love, I love the convention people. I love, I just love that whole thing. I, like, I am seriously a major big-time follower of that show. Now, I don't know what you follow in your life. I mean, we, we're, all of us are fans of different things. But what do you really follow? What do you really follow? And this is what happens, I think, a lot of times in our faith is that we become fans of Jesus rather than followers of Jesus. And we have to be really, really careful with this because... Jesus never called you to be his fan. In fact, if you read scripture, if you get into the gospels and really read what's going on there, um, like he had some pretty harsh words for his fans. In fact, he had thousands of people that were his fans. But when stuff got tough, 
And when he came under some legal action and was arrested and things like that, suddenly there was a very clear picture of who his actual followers were and who, was act- who were just his fans. And there were a lot of people that were just kind of fans of Jesus because they couldn't wait to see what happened next. They, just, they were just kind of hanging out, being close to him, just kind of from a distance, kind of, you know, they didn't really have a desire to like know him personally, like seek him out one-on-one. They just wanted to be in the area wherever he was because something was going to happen. Something was going to go down. There was going to be a free lunch. There was going to be, uh, you know, somebody was going to get healed. Uh, he might, you know, decide to go, um, you know, um, sailing without a boat. You never knew what was going to happen. You just never knew what was going to happen. And so with Jesus, like lots of people stayed near and just kind of wanted to watch from a distance and see what happened. But then when things get tough, all of a sudden, Jesus has almost no followers, almost no followers at all. This is what I want to challenge us in this week is that what Jesus calls you to be is a follower and not just a fan. And so I want to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And the word that we use, this kind of churchy word that we use to talk to describe what it means to follow Jesus is this word disciple. Go ahead and put that next one. I want to challenge you to be a disciple, like to be a, a real genuine disciple of Christ. Now, before I dive, in, dive too far into this, make no mistake about it. When, I say, when I'm challenging you to be a disciple, this is not what I'm challenging you to do. I'm not challenging you to take your kind of mediocre faith and elevate it to like super serious superstar faith. That's not what I'm doing. Disciple and Christian are, are, are the same word. They're, this, they're not different words. You don't, you don't like sign up on a Monday to be a Christian and then on a Friday go, I'm going to start taking this more seriously. I'm a disciple now. That's not how this thing works. Like, like when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. I think a lot of times in our heads, we have this mentality that to be a disciple means that, you know, I'm, I'm like super serious about my faith now versus back then when I wasn't. Or, I'm, you know, it, it, that, that's, not, that's not what it means. Like, like a lot of people would raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And maybe a couple of you would raise your hand and say, I'm a, I'm a disciple. And here's the thing is that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a disciple. You're a disciple. The question is, like, what's the maturity of your discipleship? How mature are you in your faith? Are you still a spiritual infant that the Bible talks about, where, where you're satisfied with kind of the milk of the word, the simple things of the word? Are, are you more uh, mature in your faith? Have, have you transitioned from that place that we talked about last week where your, your faith is very self-focused to a place where your faith is others-focused and God-focused? You know, what's the maturity level of, of you as a disciple? What's that even mean? Do we even, if I was to ask everybody across this room, <clears throat> what, is, what does it mean to be a disciple or to ask you to define a disciple, how many different answers would we get? And so what, what I want to do for just a second is talk about that question. What is it to be a disciple? What's that mean? <coughs> I got a cough. I've had it all week long. And I was going to ask somebody for a cough drop. But I don't like the medicine tasting ones, and uh, and so I was going to ask maybe if somebody had a piece of candy, but then I, like I don't like the minty thing much either, and I was like thinking like is there a cough Snickers bar, or? <laughs> but then that got me thinking about dessert. I'm like cough pie. Could I just get some cough pie? 
Maybe I have a slice of cough pie that I could use real fast. That would be awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I think, there's a, I, think, I think there's a market for cough pie. Um, so so here, here's the deal. I think the answer to this question that we can, we can actually find it in um, Jesus' first call to his first disciples. And it's found in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, we're going to start with verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, start with verse 18. And this is Jesus calling his very first disciples. And this is what it looks like, okay? It says this, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Here's, here it is, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, this is a really interesting thing because I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just bet that no one in this room has ever been called to be a disciple in this way. Like, like if you've been to church, if you've been around other Christians, chances are your call went something like this. Man, your life is spiraling out of control, and Jesus can fix all your problems. You just need to come to Jesus. Turn your life over to him. Let him be the Lord and Savior of your life. And, and, you know, and, and once you do that, suddenly your life will begin to make sense. And, suddenly, and, and, and it becomes this whole thing about what Jesus can do for you, right? Is, it, raise your hand if, that, if, if some version of that was your call to discipleship, right? For most of us, I think it was. And the rest of you are just too lazy to raise your hand right now. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of it. How many of you, your call to discipleship from whoever it was that led you to Christ, whether it was through a sermon or a friend or a family member or whatever, how many of you, your call to disciples, discipleship was follow Jesus and he'll teach you how to make other followers? Anybody get that call? No, but that's the call. That's the call. Follow Jesus. And he'll teach you how to make other followers. He'll teach you how to make other followers. You see how our, the call that we tend to give is so focused on ourselves? And Jesus, right out of the gate to his very first disciples, he doesn't, he doesn't go to them, which he totally could have. He was like, I can see you guys stink at fishing. He could have gone down that road, right? You guys look miserable. I see you're single. You need a bath, you know, whatever. He, he, he could have gone down that, that road. And instead, what he does is he just says, I see you fishing. I can teach you how to fish for something better. I can, te- I can teach you to be fishers of men. Of men. Right out of the gate, there's this call to making other disciples. So what, what was it that, that uh, Peter and Andrew, what was it that they signed up for in the beginning? It wasn't an awesome life. It wasn't to have all of life's mysteries figured out. It wasn't even a call to inner peace. It was just, follow me. Follow me. And I'll, I'll teach you how to do this, the, the stuff that I'm doing. I'll teach you how to do that. So what does it mean to be a disciple? Get this for a second. For those of you that are in the room and you're not unsure about faith, you're kind of kicking the tires on this whole church and faith thing. Um, this, this first group of disciples that Jesus called, were disciples before they knew Jesus was God. They were his followers. They were his disciples before they had the realization that they were dealing with God here. 
It's just somebody who follows God. And what does that, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a follower of God? I want to show you this. I've been showing it to people lately. Go ahead. Oh, it's already up there. All right. So Matthew 4, uh, 19 that we just talked about. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. So a disciple is this. First of all, it's somebody who's following Jesus. So, so if you're asking yourself, are you a disciple of Christ? Am I following Jesus? Am I following him? Am I getting to know him? Am I hanging out with the other people that love him? Am I, am I genuinely following him? Am I trusting him? Am I trusting the Holy Spirit in my life to kind of lead me and guide me through, through decisions of my life and direction? And all, Am I following Jesus? Am, am, I, am I concerned with the things that he is concerned about? Is my heart broken over the things that his heart is broken over? Am I joyful over the things and celebrating the things that he is joyful about and that he celebrates? Am I following Jesus? That next phrase, and I will make you. I will make you. In other words, there's going to be some change to happen there. So, so a disciple is somebody who's being changed by Jesus as well. Ask yourself this question. Am I being changed by Jesus? Am I allowing Christ to change my life? Or am I just kind of coming near to see what happens? Am I just kind of coming near because I want to earn some brownie points with, with, with God, and so I'm just going to show to church once in a while, and I'm not going to get too serious about it and show up every week, you know, mind you, but, but just once in a while enough to kind of keep God, the, you know, the guilty, you know, wrathful God off my back. So I'm just going to kind of come near. I'm just going to hang out with Christians once in a while. I'm going to make sure I don't mix my Christian friends with my work friends because my work friends or because my Christian, Christian things, friends don't think I drink. So, you know, I want, to, I want to make sure I keep everybody separate and compartmentalized, you know, that sort of thing. So, or are you allowing Jesus so close to you, inviting him so close to you that you give him permission to change who you are? Like, would, would, could we just for a second, by a show of hands, it, like, raise your hand if you are aware that you need to be changed from who you are to who Christ wants you to be. If you're aware of that, like, put your hand in the air. Yeah. Yeah, like, for most of us, that's true. Most of us are aware that this is not, like, like this is just the starter pack version of me. Like, like this is not who I want to end up as, right? I'm hoping that by the time, you know, I am, you know, it, reaching the end of my life, that there's a better version of me then than what everybody sees now. There's a better version of what's going on inside of my head then than what's going on inside of my head right now. Like I'm aware of the changes that I need, that need to take place in me. I'm also aware that a lot of times I'm completely helpless to make those changes myself. Like I've tried. Anybody here tried to change your own life and come up frustrated? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's hard. Now, there are certain changes you can make. There are certain habits you can develop and things like that. But I'm talking about the kind of who you are as a person changes. Those are a little bit more difficult. Those are a little bit more difficult. Are you like daily giving Jesus permission to change you in the ways that he wants to change you? Like that's, I, you know, I love coming to church. It's fun. We have a good time. The music's great, whatever. I, love, I like the people. But I'm also keenly aware that I'm a work in, in progress here, right? 
Like, I got some work I have to do. Not, not for salvation's sake, just for the sake of being a decent human being, right? Like, like I, I just got some work. This is a work in progress, right? So I, I regularly go to Christ and ask him, change me in ways I'm, I'm powerless to change myself. Make me more like you, because right now I'm a far shot from that. Change me. Are you allowing yourself to be changed by Christ? That third phrase there is fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, he's going to set these guys out on a mission. So not only are you following Jesus, not only are you being changed by Jesus, but are you on mission for Christ? Do you live your life as if you are on mission? Or is mission something that only missionaries do in your mind? Because here's the truth of, of, of this thing that we call faith. That when you decide to become a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you embrace a mission for your life. It's no accident that God has placed you in this community, in this time, um, amongst the, your coworkers, amongst your family, amongst your friends at school. There, it's no accident that all of those things have come together in this place, in this time. He has placed you on mission here. Do you approach everything in your life as a, as a calling, as a mission? Do you go to work asking God to give you some insight into to who he might be working on so that you can partner with him in that and speak truth to people and love to people, make those introductions to people in Jesus? Are you living your life as if, it's, as if you're on mission? Because you are, whether you realize it or not. And you're either nailing it or you're failing it. Right? Like you're either, has anybody, has anybody ever, uh, you ever worked with somebody who, um, like when it comes to their job, you don't have to tell them anything. They just boom, boom, boom. They're on top of it. They are on it, doggone it, Right? Like, like something, they, they're just a self-starter. They know what the purpose of, of, of their role is in the organization. What, what, I mean, they just come to work, ready to work. You don't have to tell them. In fact, you're surprised often by the work that they just kind of take on themselves. And I mean, that kind of person. It's awesome to work with people like that because you feel like there's this huge sense of, of accomplishment and getting things done and, and, and you can you know, conjure up some joy about your work and that, that sort of thing. You ever work with somebody who doesn't do a dadgum thing unless they're told three times to do it? It's miserable. You're just, you're counting down the days till that person gets fired and you're mad if they don't get fired in a timely manner, right? Like, like that's, that's the thing. And here's the thing about faith. That for some of you, you've got a real sense of your purpose and your mission in the kingdom of God. Nobody has to go around begging you to do kingdom work and live your life on mission. You get your mission and you're just out doing it. And then for others of you, God literally needs to grab you by the nap of the neck and punch you in the face to get your attention. Like it, it, you just, you, you, you don't get it. You don't get it. You live your whole life as if the purpose of your life is you. And you're, and you're starting to find out and you're starting to discover that's not the case. 
Are you living your life on mission for God? Are you constantly looking for opportunities to share your faith? Are you constantly looking for opportunities to share God's love with people who really need love? Are you constantly looking for opportunities to give hope to the hopeless? Are you living your life on mission? Or are you sitting back? There's this old uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman song um, from years ago called Waiting for Lightning. Like I'm, I'm just... Like, like, like just waiting for lightning, waiting for God to kind of give me this big, obvious sign of his calling over my life and what it, what it is he wants me to do. And all the while, he's given you this book that we call the Bible that so clearly outlines his calling for your life. And it's this, to follow him, to be changed by him, to live on mission for him. That's what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so let's be those people. Now, some of you maybe fall on different point, points of this. Some of you are like one-point disciples, and some of you are two-point disciples. Some of you guys are you know, hitting home run, you're, you're a three-point disciple, whatever. I just made up those terms. That's not a real thing, right? But, 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 but some of you are like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna kind of, to follow him. I'm going to get to know him better. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do that whole thing. Not quite ready to be changed by him, though. I got some stuff I got to get out of my system, right? I'm certainly not ready to live on mission for him because I don't want to come across like a Jesus freak or, or you know, whatever. So, I mean, so you fall on different points of that. I want, you, I want you to spend some time today, this week, really asking yourself those questions and working that out. Like, if I'm really a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm following him. I'm being changed by him. I'm living on mission for him. And if I'm not doing that, then am I a disciple of Christ? If I'm not following him, if I'm not being changed by him, if I'm not living on mission for him, then am I really his follower? I can't answer that for you. I can't. I just know that when people have a genuine encounter with Christ, when they really and truly experience the grace of God, that forgiving, that saving grace, that changing grace that comes into our life and, 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 makes, and makes us new, that this is what starts to happen. They have a desire to follow him. They have a desire even to have area, tough areas of their life changed by him. They have a desire to, to know that their life is more than just the day-to-day. They're living on mission for him. This is what we need to do. And he makes it so clear what that mission is. He makes it so clear at the end of this book, at the end of the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, starting verse 18. <coughs> Pardon me. I need that pie. <laughs> I need pie stat. Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's the mission. We're talking about living on mission. This is it. What's your mission? Go. Make disciples. Go and make disciples. This is what this faith is about. It's not about coming together in a room once a week and singing a pretty song. That's all well and good. That's all nice. It's encouraging. It helps us, you know, it gives us what we need, kind of builds us up and helps get us through the week and things like that. And there's, there's something powerful about coming together with other believers and praising his name. That's all good. It's, it's important. 
but it's not the mission. It should be just the natural outflow of who we are. The mission is active. The mission is go. It's go. When I was in the army, um, I had a, I was a chaplain assistant in the army. So a lot of the work that I did was like office work, right? But occasionally I had these awesome days where we would have soldiers out in the field. And because of the nature of, this, uh, of where I was in Washington, D.C. with a ceremonial unit, their, their, their field assignments were oftentimes just a couple hours away, never very far away, because they needed to stay close for the primary mission. But they would do these field assignments. And so occasionally, you know, I would think I've got this kind of boring, blah, day of office work ahead of me. And the chaplain would just come in and say, hey, you want to go throw grenades today? I'm like, yes, I do. That, that's a great day. Like, I still wish that would happen. Just somebody would occasionally come into the office here at the church and go like, hey, you're going to throw some grenades? You better believe I do. Right? Yeah, let's go. Right? And so we would go out and we would join with, the, you know, the, the infantry guys in the field. And we would, I'd get to go, you know, through the stuff that they were going through and just feel like this sense of, you know, because when you work alone in an office, you, you, you start to feel very isolated. You start to feel, you know, your, your worldview becomes very small. And to get out there with a bunch of other guys and we're all on the same mission, we're all doing the same thing and we're, we're having, you know, a good time to it and challenging and, you know, whatever. That's just awesome. I love that so much. You cannot do your faith all by yourself. It's tempting. It's tempting. Because the biggest problem with church and with faith is Christians. Right? So it's really tempting to just go, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to have this thing with me and Jesus and kind of we're going to do our own thing, right? The, the problem with that is that your, your worldview becomes so small. It becomes so self-centered and, and it just doesn't work well that way. But when we all come together, like when, here's the deal. When I'm asking you to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm not asking you to go out and wander the world alone like Kung Fu, you know? That was a reference most of you didn't get. So I'm not asking you to do that. What, what I'm asking you to do is lock arms with the rest of us. And we will lift you up. And we will celebrate with you. And we will mourn with you. And we will encourage you. And we will help keep you on the right path. And we expect you to help us in, in all those areas too. Lock arms with the rest of us. We've, there's a mission for us to do, and it's too big for us to do alone. Back to the army thing. That's one of the, the things that drew me to the army, is I felt like I was joining something bigger than myself. Bigger than myself. Like I can't be the army. Like, like if the president got a, got on the news and said, "Okay, we're sending the army," and it was just a picture of Jeff. Like that job's too big for me, right? Right. That's going to go horrible going to go horrible but to be something a part part of something so much bigger than myself that i have a role in it and i contribute to it and you know that sort of thing that's what church is like you don't do faith in a vacuum you do faith in a community and it's powerful that way and it's exciting that way and it's amazing it's amazing we have this huge mission ahead of us that is too big for any one of you, but is just right for all of us. Just right for all of us. So let's be people 
who are following God, who are being changed by God, who are living our lives on mission for him. You want to give God a great gift? Be a disciple. Be a disciple who is making disciples. Be a disciple who is making disciples. That's what following Jesus looks like. And if you're doing anything less than that, then I want to challenge you to ask yourself, am I actually following God? Am I actually following God? Jeff, are you saying I'm not going to heaven? I'm not saying anything. Ask God that. Ask God that. I, 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 don't, I don't control the gates to heaven. I just, you know, supply the necessary information and guilt to get there. <laughs> just just, just That's a joke. All right. <laughs> this, is, this is what we do. This is what being a Christ follower looks like. We're following him. We're being changed by him. We're living on mission for him. Now, I'm going to stand before you and readily admit to you that I don't always have this figured out. I don't stand before you as some sort of grand example of super Christendom. That's not, that's not who I am. There are days I do this well, and there are days I really flounder in this just like you. Just like you. But praise God for the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But we want to be people that are genuinely following Christ like this. That's a great gift to give Christ this year. Give him that gift. Turn yourself over to him. Genuinely turn yourself over to him. Be changed by him. Live on mission for him. Let's pray. Pray this prayer with me. We've been praying for a lot of weeks now. I love it. We're just going to keep doing it. It's a good prayer. That's why Jesus said to pray it. All right? Pray it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, you're so good and we love you and we praise your name this morning. And we do want to give you gifts that you deserve. You have given so much to us and we, we totally know there's nothing you need from us. But God, who would we be if we just simply accepted all of your gifts and then turned our backs on you as if nothing happened. So we want to give to you. We want to serve you in in ways that are meaningful, in ways that cost us something. And so help us to genuinely follow you. We give you permission to change us in areas that we need to change. Um, Give us a sense of clarity about what our mission is for you. We want to be those kind of followers, those kind of disciples. God, if there's anybody in the room that that is just unsure about this thing that we call faith, they don't know if, if how they, you know, what they want to do yet. God, I pray that your voice, your Holy Spirit would go out to them right now, just in, in their thoughts, in their minds, in, in, in this quietness right now. And um, that you would just offer the same call to them that you offered your first followers 2,000 years ago. Just just follow me. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have a clear theological statement about who I am and what, what I want. None of that. Just, just follow me. Look into the things of Jesus. Get around other people who love Jesus and begin 
to follow and he'll he'll work out all the other details we love you we thank you for such a, a big call in our lives it is a call that's too big for us but I thank you so much for a group of um, friends and family here at Living Hope that are, are such incredible people that I love so much and that it's just fun to lock arms with them and to serve you and to be on mission for you. So God, draw us uh, closer to you and also closer to each other. And um, lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.